0: welcome back everyone to the liberty update thank you guys so much for joining us this is where we bring you your need to know news every friday so make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes also want to remind you to follow convention of states on facebook instagram and twitter so you can stay up to date on all that we're doing to call the first ever convention of states we're excited to bring your news to you today thank you again for joining us
1: Today marks the one-year anniversary of the Ukraine-Russia conflict, and we, of course, are sending more money overseas. You'll hear about that today, plus Baltimore's education problem and a state-centered solution, Convention of States legislative updates, some encouragement from Mark Levin, and a new presidential candidate who just gave full support for Convention of States.
0: As already mentioned today marks the one-year anniversary of the russian invasion into ukraine and it's crazy to think how much time has passed already because at the beginning people didn't expect this to be a long war they didn't expect ukraine to put up a fight the way that they did and what putin and russia and the rest of the world really underestimated was the resiliency of the ukrainian people and their stubborn refusal to live under Russian occupation. And they have said, many Ukrainian citizens point blank have said they will not accept Russian occupation, and they have fought back against it. And the war has not gone well for Putin, but it's also become somewhat controversial in the United States how much money we are giving to Ukraine. More on that in a little bit, but in regards to the war as it stands right now, if you look by about March, Russia had made it pretty far into Ukraine. Actually, jumping forward to right now, they have military control. Russia has military control of Ukraine from about Crimea up to the Donbass region. But if you go back to about March, they'd made it pretty far into Ukraine. Then if you jump forward to about August, they have at that point gained more ground in Ukraine, but you can already begin to see that Ukraine has regained some of what russia had previously taken under military control and from that point on from about august 29th forward into november you can see that the furthest point of russian military control if you look at a map sort of just recedes from that point and ukraine retakes a lot of ground in that time and the deaths the death toll for russia has been tragic. The number of troops of Russian troops killed or wounded in Ukraine is estimated to be close to 200,000. And of course, it's hard to calculate the casualties of a war, especially while the war is active and Moscow is believed to undercount its war dead. But the numbers are shockingly high for Putin, something he probably didn't expect. Of course, the numbers are also tragically high for the Ukrainian people as well. Some of the saddest numbers to see are that An estimated 7,000 to 9,000, and some numbers show even higher, Ukrainian civilians have been killed. The war has really proved on, in both the Russian army and in Ukraine, just how brutal Putin is. One of the tactics that he has reportedly used in the Russian army is that he'll send poorly trained recruits or even convicts to the front lines in advance of his more seasoned fighters. So, they sort of put their lives out there to clear the way for his better fighters, and that has been very costly for them in terms of deaths. But also, Ukrainian civilians being murdered by Russian troops. Many say that these consist of war crimes. It really just proves how brutal Putin is and what a tragic war this has been. But the good news is that he has run into a lot more opposition than he probably expected. The bad news is this means the war has lasted for a very long time at this point resulting in more deaths. And one of the big criticisms in the United States is that the Biden administration and the West at large don't really have a clearly defined objective. What exactly is our end game in this? Even if Putin is defeated or humiliated, whatever it is, what exactly is our end game in this? And polling proves and confirms that a majority of Americans agree that we need to help Ukraine win this war. We need to help them defeat Putin. Around 70% of Americans believe that we need to be providing some support. But the question is how long and how much can we keep doing before we get sucked into this war? And one of the great concerns is that this could easily escalate. Although the world at large has shown support for Ukraine, China and Iran could possibly fall on the side of. Russia and this could easily become a serious conflict. And so there has been a push in the United States for Biden to really define his objective and what he is trying to accomplish. But of course, Biden has no such purpose, clearly stated, just this week after sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Last year alone, President Biden made a surprise visit to Ukraine's capital to visit President Zelensky, where he pledged an additional 500 million dollars in military aid this conflict has sort of proven that although putin is brutal and definitely a threat his army is maybe not as strong as even he thought it was so what we need to be concerned about is how to prevent the united states from getting sucked into a war with russia with putin possibly even iran and china and the united states really needs to clearly define what our objective what our end goal in this war is that being said it is important that we continue to pray for the people of ukraine and those in the russian army that frankly don't even want to be there many lives are being destroyed from this conflict and it's important that we keep them in our prayers
1: just how bad has our public school education system become well one statistic alone gives us plenty of insight into our current problem. Zero students in 23 different Baltimore public schools are proficient in math. That's right, you heard that correctly, zero students. And this is according to Maryland's State Department of Education's 2022 state test results. On top of that, 93% of third through eighth grade students tested below grade level in math. That means only 7% of students are testing at grade level. Most students in Maryland are not given alternatives if they wish to opt out of their designated school district. And this brings up the topic of school choice, which has been a long debate between policymakers. The root of the issue, however, is parents. Should parents be allowed to choose where their children go to school Or should the government direct them to certain schools with funding? This is the same basis as the Convention of States movement, when we ask ourselves quite frequently who decides, the people in their respective states or some faraway D.C. bureaucrats. But as schools push leftist theories and education materials while also failing to meet basic educational standards, grade-level standards, many communities are happily turning to school choice alternatives iowa for example just recently passed the students first act which is going to provide iowa families with education savings accounts worth seven thousand six hundred dollars annually and these funds can be used for a variety of educational factors like private school tuition or tutoring or textbooks And West Virginia and Arizona have already implemented these publicly funded education choice programs. Texas is considering this as well. Governor Greg Abbott just last week said the way to change concerns over remote learning and woke agendas in schools is with school choice through state funded education savings accounts. School choice is a topic that directly ties into self-governance and the ability to make decisions for one's own family. Again, it goes back to the power of the individual and the idea of who decides. Parents, states, or the federal government's Department of Education. As schools continue to have downward performance trends like we're seeing in Baltimore and many other school districts across the country, school choice programs... And these education voucher programs are looking like a good alternative.
0: And now we've got some exciting news to share with you. Earlier this week, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy announced that he would be running for president in 2024. And days later, meeting up with Michael Ferris in a state capital, he explained why he thinks using Article 5 is so important in this, our 1776 moment. Listen to Vivek here.
2: I think we live in one of these 1776 moments where we need to rediscover what it actually means to be American. It is internal to the Constitution. So a lot of people have a misconception about this. They think it's some sort of work around the Constitution. No, 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 no. This is within the Constitution for a reason. So I'm gonna be very clear about my view on this. I think that the bar is really high for amending the Constitution, for channeling anything through Article 5, as it should be. That means that if that actually is convened, I think it's very unlikely, practically, that anything would come out of that unless there was widespread support. However, it can spawn a national conversation that we're missing in Congress, at state legislatures, et cetera. It's become so ossified in the boundaries of, of modern, boring, partisan politics that we need to go back and actually be having a discussion about the first principles about what it actually means to be American. And the Constitution, the framers of the Constitution, they had a Great forethought for periods just like this one. So I think I think just getting that convention together, calling it alone, will have a useful function for the country. And I challenge every other GOP candidate in this field to recognize the same thing.
0: This no doubt will be a huge asset to us as we continue to push the Convention of States resolution through state legislatures.
1: We've had quite the week of legislative activity here at Convention of States. Things are developing in Wyoming. The Senate in Wyoming already passed the resolution just a few weeks ago, and now we are making progress on the House side. So make sure to check our social media and our website to see the latest update on where the resolution stands. In Iowa, Senate and House subcommittees passed on our resolution to full committees, and we are also making progress in the New Hampshire House, where a debate on the floor was held on Thursday. You can see the most up-to-date reports on our social media pages. The red state of South Dakota has surprisingly struggled to pass the Convention of States resolution due to one person in leadership blocking the resolution from entering the floor for a vote. Listen to what Mark Levin said this week when talking on air with Mark Meckler.
2: If you claim you're a constitutionalist and then you start cherry picking the parts that you don't like, then you're not a constitutionalist, you're a leftist. And as far as the state legislators go, they have a responsibility. They have a duty under the federal constitution, under Article 5, to help save this country. And Article 5 gives them uniquely, solely, gives them the power to save
1: this country. That's all we have today. Thanks for tuning in to the Liberty Update.